talk about turning the lights on, the world can be a dark place. And uh, as the church, we need to be the light. And so we're going to look at uh, some things about Jesus' life and his ministry and get into a couple of different things. Um, so if you want to open up to Luke chapter 4. We're going to stick in Luke, actually, kind of poke our way through Luke for a little bit. Uh, Luke 4 and 31. So, I've mentioned it before when I've spoken in the past, but one of the biggest things that turns the light on for people is something miraculous. And, you know, Jesus was on the earth for 30, over 30 years before he started his ministry. And not a lot happened in his early years, although he was perfect. We know he never sinned. So even though he was an extraordinary person, I'm sure he was a delight to be around, very pleasant, kind, and loving. Um, he didn't begin to gain notoriety until he began to operate in the miraculous. That's what really put him on the map. And in Luke chapter 4, I won't go back to his very first miracles, but in Luke chapter 4 and 31, it said, And it came to pass in Capernaum, a city of Galilee, <clears throat> and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What, we, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Aren't you come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. And come out of him, and the devil had thrown him to the. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, "What a word is this! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out." And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. So people take notice when something like that happens. This is the same as people take notice when there's a good hockey player in town. They take notice when there's a good speaker in town. They take notice when there's a good singer in town. They'll fill the Metro Center for somebody who is impressive and talented and does amazing things. And they'll travel for long distances to see somebody like that. And that is one of the key areas where the church needs to begin to operate more in. We need to begin to see more and more of those miraculous signs to wake people up. They need to be woken up. They need to see something that makes them go, whoa, and just kind of stop in the tracks. And loving people is good. I'm not going to downplay that. Loving people on a one-on-one basis is an excellent way to build a relationship with people, and it can definitely lead to their salvation over time, for sure. But on a grand scale, expansive growth for Jesus, and I believe in the Church of Acts as well, happened when they began to see consistent miracles happening day in and day out. It became commonplace in Jesus' ministry. His disciples, I don't know if getting used to it would be the right phrase to use, but it would have become commonplace. They would have been expecting to see the supernatural in their ministry on a nearly daily basis. It said you couldn't, there wasn't enough books to, to write all the things that had happened. You know, we have a count of, you know, I think somewhere from between 30 and 40 miracles that Jesus did during his ministry, but there's so many more that we don't have the account of here. And in our devotions with the kids at night, we've been going through the whole book of Acts. We started right from Acts 1 and right through, and I think we're around Acts 24 or 25 there now, almost got through. But it's just so neat to see 
how the disciples grew in their faith and how the church grew in those early days and seeing what happened, um, all their travels and exploits and just really neat. And the kids are really, really enjoying it. And they have lots of questions to ask. And it's been really cool kind of walking through that with them and teaching them, you know, this is how this all got started. You know, all the churches you see today, all the ministers and Christians you see today, you know, that, that, was our, that was our beginning. That was where our new covenant started. And so they really enjoyed it, and I've been really enjoying it. And it got me thinking when Pastor Gary called and asked me to preach that I'd like to talk a bit about the early church and how we need to get back to our roots in certain ways and, um, and take, take note of, of what worked then. Because, you know, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his, his ways, are non, are non, are, they don't change. <clears throat> and so if it worked then, it'll work now. And he's called us as his sons and daughters to operate in power, to not be timid, to not be afraid, but to be bold. And, um, and that's what I think we need to do more of, myself included. And so I just encourage you to continue to look for opportunities and continue to build yourself up in your faith. Strengthen yourself on a daily basis and just ask God for those opportunities to heal the sick and, you know, and to, you know, even financial blessings too. You know, you could pray for someone to be liberated financially and have it happen like that too. And just that would speak volumes to certain people. And, you know, my daughter being healed and would speak volumes to the doctors that have been involved in her life over the years, right? Things like that. So that's, those are those things that make people go, whoa, whoa, these guys got something going on and I want to find out what it is. Luke chapter 5. 12, verse 12. And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, thou can make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show himself to the priests and offer for his cleansing according to Moses' commandment for a testimony unto them. But so much more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So there you go again, the same, same thing that happened in the previous chapter. You know, he did something miraculous. People took notice, and the church grew. People came to, to know Jesus for who he was and to, and to know the Father and to see the Father's heart. And that's all Jesus was trying to show to these people was the heart of the Father and what the Father truly wanted to do in, through, and for them. Luke chapter 7, verse 12. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the boy, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto you, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God has visited his people. And the rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. So there you go again. Another miracle. 
Another round of testimony spread throughout the whole area. More people who hadn't heard about the first testimonies probably heard about this one for the first time and took notice that a prophet was in the area, that a church was being birthed, that a group of people were doing something that they had never seen before, something that they might want to be a part of. And, um, and that's what we need to get back to. I think that's, that's really, in these last days, God said he's going to pour out his spirit like, like never before. And as hard to believe as that is, when you read the Bible and you see it was been done in here throughout the book of Acts and <clears throat> throughout the rest of the, uh, the chapters of the Bible, it's just amazing to think that there is still a greater measure that we have yet to walk in. You know, a lot of rain being greater than the, than, than the former. It's hard to wrap your head around greater than what we're reading here. And, you know, we have the technology today. I think it's going to play a big role in these last days is being able to be almost omnipresent, I guess, in a certain way, um, and being able to share that gospel and not only share just the words, but be able to show live what God is doing in areas where he's doing it and how the fame of him, how it spread back then by word of mouth, how much more in these last days will it spread when people begin to see videos online of people being raised from the dead, of arms growing back, of things that just cannot be explained by science happening on a consistent basis, hospitals being emptied out. And that's one way to solve the healthcare crisis is just... <laughs> you don't need more doctors, you need more Christians. <laughs> more faith-filled childs of God taking over. And uh, you know, all creation is waiting, groaning for us to do just that. You know, it's been subject to a lot of stuff for a long time, and it's waiting to be liberated. And uh, we gotta, we got to get on her. Ephesians 5. <clears throat> I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Living in the Light is what it's entitled. It says to, uh, so Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. Uh, New Living Translation. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Let there be thankfulness to God. And that's something, too. I mean, I've been guilty of it myself a lot. Um, when you get around, I find there's just, when you're hanging out with people, there's a lot of idle speech. We tend to go on and on and on about a lot of things that, in the grand scheme of things, they don't really matter a whole lot. And I think if we really begin to discuss things that, you know, might have a little bit more weight to them, might not be as, you know, as, um, oh, it's the word for it, I mean, as, you know, might, might not be as fun to talk about. But I think, you know, Ash and I, when we first got into the word of faith um, circles, um, our apostle, our apostle, our apostolic pastor at the time, we used to go and hang with them all the time at their place. And we would just open the word of God and we would just talk about the Bible for hours on end. And that's pretty much all we talked about. And it was exciting. 
The more, the, the more you talked about it, the more you got into it, the more revelation you got, and the more excited you got, and the more you dug into it, and the more revelation you got, and the more excited you got, and it was like a snowball effect. And, and we haven't been doing that a whole lot. I don't know, maybe you guys are. Maybe it's just us that kind of hasn't been doing it very much. But, but I know we haven't been doing it nearly as much as we used to. And I really kind of miss that, that getting together in those intimate groups and just talking with the Word of God and encouraging one another and, and just kind of seeing where it goes from there. Because not only do you leave feeling better, but you leave so much more full of wisdom too. Like you learn, every time you do something like that, you're always learning something new. God is always going to reveal something to you that either you didn't know, or maybe you had forgotten about, or maybe that you need to be you know, brought to remembrance at that specific time because of something that you've been dealing with in your life. And this is a living word. It's it's always going to bring you what you need in the season and the moment that you need it. And I mean, that's happened so many times when we've gotten into the world like that. And especially in these last days where time is precious and it's, I believe, you know, getting shorter by the day. Obviously, we're getting closer each, each and every day. And we really need to, you know, and we're going to talk about it here in a minute, like live purposefully. Live purposefully. You know, people who've been successful in business often have friends who are successful in business, and when they get together, they'll, they'll talk business. They'll talk about what they're doing right now, what they, what they might want to do, um, some ideas they got in their head, and they'll kind of brainstorm a little bit and bounce some ideas off each other, and then they'll, before you know it, they've got a, they've got a multi-million dollar company on their hands, fast forward another year or two from that point, right? Because they took the time to discuss something that made a difference to discuss something at length in detail that had value. And that's what happens. When you put your energy on things like that, that's eventually going to happen. Not every idea you have is going to be a great success. You got to learn to pick yourself up when you've had a failure. Maybe you miss it one time. You can miss it in the word of God. You can miss it in life. You can miss it in business. But the, the biggest thing is to recognize that and then to learn from that and then to go do it again. And surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who are energetic, who want to make a difference, who want to push themselves to be better than where they are right now. It's so easy to coast sometimes. You get comfortable. You got just enough. You got some money in the bank account. You know everything's okay and hunky-dory. You just go, <sighs> It's okay to go, <sighs> for a little bit, to have a little season of chill right? But you can't stay there forever. You know, that's stagnant. God's not stagnant. He's constantly moving and growing and expanding. And there's great energy in that. You know, people, I mean, lots of people have told the stories before, people who, who have had a successful career and retire, and then they just don't do anything, and their health just goes downhill. And, and that's, we're just not designed to sit still. As human beings, we're not designed to do that. And when we decide to do that, our bodies and our spirits often pay the price for it. Um, chapter five, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. We don't do it for ourselves. We got to get past ourselves. We got to get past, I'm doing this because I want to do it. I'm doing this because I know it's going to benefit me. We've really got to do our best to get past that in our lives and look to be a blessing to others at sometimes the expense of ourselves. 
that's the kingdom. You know, even in the early church, they came together and sold everything. They weren't concerned about their own finances. Crazy as it sounds, they sold all their houses and just gave it to the church. They totally trusted God. They didn't have a hold on anything that had value to them. I mean, it's just they just let it go. And just complete and absolute trust because, you know, they were riding high on the power of God at that time. They were seeing, like I said, on a daily basis, God showing up in a big way in a lot of people's lives on a huge scale. Like people were coming from all around and Jesus healed what? All of them. Every single one of them that came was healed. And so when you're exposed to that, I mean, it, it would just completely change your whole mentality. And again, you know, myself included, you, you can get your eyes off of that and almost kind of get into the, I don't know, the, the country club feel of church and just kind of come, you go through the motions, do your thing. And, and then you go home at the end of the day and it sounds bad to say it, but I mean, we all, I think, I know myself, have fallen into that trap and you just kind of get into the ins and outs of it. And, and that wow factor can sometimes wane a little bit. And we just, you know, God's been really impressing on my heart to just get back to expecting Get your expectators up. You know, start expecting me and start praying more consistently and building yourself up, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, that's when prayer is ushered in almost every major move of the Holy Spirit ever since the Holy Spirit came to earth. It's, you, can't, you can't downplay the power of prayer. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from God. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Sinner's sin. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all the things that we need, especially in these last days, because we're going to come up against some hard situations. And we're going to need the same wisdom that Jesus operated in when he came up against his hard situations. And... The cool thing about him is he, <clears throat> he one, never worried about them. I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane, he wanted to find a way out of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, he did submit to the Lord's will and follow through with it. But uh, it just goes to show that even Jesus, you know, had to deal with his flesh just like we do. So it is good to see, you know, even the, even the Son of God had to felt the pressure. You know, he felt the heat. We've all been there. Verse 15 so live carefully, so be, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But be, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. That's key. You got to hear from the Holy Ghost. You got to know what God wants you to do. You can't really have faith in a lot of things, in a lot of different areas of your life until you know that, yeah, I'm where God wants me to be and I'm doing and pursuing what God wants me to pursue in my life. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I love the way, I love the, way the New Living trusts that. That will ruin your life. Just don't go there. Just don't go there, people. It will ruin your life. 
And that's, and, and that's, the, that's the drug that most of the world's on. You know, there's, there's the hard drugs that the world's definitely on, but then there's you know, alcohol. That's the reason why the government's in the business of it, because it, it just lulls people. You know, alcohol, sports can distract you and take your mind off of what you really should be focusing on, something that's truly important. So, like I said, live purposefully. Make the most of every opportunity. You can't do that when you're drunk. <laughs> you can't do it when you're drunk. <clears throat> but instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, even when you don't feel like it. Even when Buddy cuts you off, even when you back your truck in your mother's vehicle. <laughs> and give thanks for everything to God, the, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> a little, little side story there. <laughs> a side story that happened in the side of my garage last week. <laughs> Uh, James 3. James T. <laughs> oh my. Again, I'm going to read that from the New Living Translation as well. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. The proof's in the pudding. <laughs> you can always tell. Just look at the fruit, right? Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kinds of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You don't have to go too far in Ottawa to find some of that. So keep Ottawa in your prayers, because that's, that's a stronghold that we need to break. In this nation, to, uh, when it comes back to the Lord, that's going to that's gonna change Ottawa big time. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, don't speak evil of those who are in authority over you, as hard as it is. Even Paul, when he was standing before the Sanhedrin, he realized that the, it was the high priest talking to him, apologized. Even the high priest was way out in left field, like, way out in left field. Once he realized it was the head priest, what did he do? He apologized. Because he said, do not speak evil of those who are in authority over you. David was Saul. Could have killed him. But because of the position that Saul held, even though he didn't deserve the honor, David honored him and spared his life. So... As hard as it is, there's great godly wisdom in that. You know? You know, maybe it maybe that may minister to Justin Trudeau someday. Maybe having his life spared by a Christian or having a Christian say some encouraging word to him or something like that may maybe the thing that turns the lights on for Mr. Trudeau. God loves him too. God loves him too. Stranger things have happened. Worse people have come to the Lord. I don't know who, but worse people must have. It's a... 
<laughs> All right, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. <laughs> Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. That's hard to do sometimes. Yielding to others, especially when you feel like you're right, that's challenging. That takes a lot of Holy Ghost right there. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's good. That's good. I don't know about you, but I could use all the righteousness I could get. I could never have enough. I want to overdose on righteousness. I know that. <laughs> what are you high on righteousness? <laughs> Me and my heavenly father, we're just hanging. First Kings 10. <clears throat> One of the key things we really need as a church as a whole we need to analyze individually, but also as a corporate whole, is, is wisdom. And uh, when, when an organization is headed by wisdom, just like, um, not Saul, but um, Solomon, when he asked for wisdom, God gave him wisdom such that the world had never seen before. God said, no one has ever had the wisdom that I'm giving to you right now. And it's because he had humility at that point in his life. He was humble enough to not ask for something for himself. And because his heart was in the right place, God bestowed a gift on him from which all other gifts come from. Wisdom is such a key thing. Uh, the world honors wisdom. Smart people, wise people are successful for a reason. The world honors them and Again, we'll travel great distances to hear them. I mean, for example, Jordan Peterson. Who here knows Jordan Peterson? <clears throat> He's gained notoriety in the last, I mean, last 10 years, really, but last five years, he's really kind of shot up, and uh, he's been trying to be canceled by multiple um, social media platforms. Uh, uh, Twitter kicked him off a year ago. Elon Musk put him back on again when he took it over. Um, <clears throat> he just had a, um, a, a conference in Ottawa. And there's a stadium in Ottawa where the Ottawa Senators play hockey. And uh, even though the Senators have had a hard time filling their stadium, Jordan Peterson filled it to the, to the upper rafters. Every seat sold out to come hear him speak. Why? Why does everyone want to go, why does everybody want to go hear Jordan Peterson speak? What is it about him that everybody is so interested in? Well, because he's, he speaks with a lot of truth and wisdom when he speaks. You know, he has a lot of good things that he has to share to people, with, with people, and people want to hear that. So they travel and hear him speak. And uh, he, they even tried to take his license recently, you know, to try to pull his, um, he's a clinical psychologist by trade. And uh, the body that oversees the clinical psychologist have tried to pull his license. And so far they haven't done it yet. I think they're still in the process of trying to do it. Um, but he's just come up against a lot of resistance. And he just keeps pushing and keeps pushing and keeps pushing. He won't back down. That's what we need to be the same way. He's not given up. He's not intimidated by what they're trying to do to him. He just keeps pushing forward. And uh, in all honesty, I think it's gone in his favor. Since, since he started getting all this persecution, his, his notoriety has gone through the roof, and he's just not quitting. And we've got to be the same way. We've got to get quit right out of us. 
We can't have any quit in us. When you know you're right, when you know you're doing what God's called you to do, don't let anybody shut you up. Don't let anybody shut you down, sit you down, or stop you from doing what you know you're supposed to do. Even if you end up in prison, didn't stop the apostles. They wouldn't quit. They were beaten and then praised God for the fact they got to be beaten. Glory to God, I was counted on, you know, honor, honor to be beaten for your name's sake. They considered it a great honor to be flogged. That's how sold out they were. Like, that's a whole other level that you just don't see very often. You don't see that very often. I mean, that's, that's up there. And look what they did because of it. Look at their lives. Yeah, Paul went through a lot because God said he was going to have to because of probably what he did to the church in the early days. You know, God said, don't worry, I'm going to show him how much you're going to have to suffer for my namesake. But he forgave him for all that to the point that Paul didn't even recognize, didn't even associate with that old self anymore, didn't even give it two cents anymore and just carried on doing what God's called him to do. Pushing through all that persecution, nothing stopped him. Nothing stopped him. Even, even, his, even the church tried to stop him from going back to Jerusalem. Whether or not he should have, that's kind of up for debate. But he was so sold out to do what he had on his mind to do that even his closest friends couldn't dissuade him from going back to Jerusalem where they said that he would likely face death, could even be death. And he said, listen, I'm prepared to die. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going back to Jerusalem. And they said, fine, we've warned you. God's will be done, they said. God's will be done. And off he went to Jerusalem. But completely unfretted, like unscared of anything that was in his path. He couldn't fizz the guy. Completely dead to himself. Completely dead to himself. And that's the way we need to be. You know, George Moss talks a lot about it. Being dead to yourself, you can't offend a dead man. You can't do it. Wake up in the morning, die to yourself, and carry on with your day. You feel a whole lot better by the time the day's over, I guarantee it. A whole lot less stressed, too. You're not worrying about what anyone else is thinking or all the what ifs, and you just don't care. It's very freeing. <clears throat> so, we're going to read a little bit about King Solomon just because I think it's so incredible to look at the fruit of the gift that God put in his life. He operated in the gift that God gave him. The anointing that God put on him was the anointing of kingship, filled him with wisdom, and he did his job very well. And when you're doing what you've been called to do, and you're using the gifts that God's given you, you can expect um, to have a life that people will recognize as amazing. From the outside looking in, they'll look at your life and say, somewhere along the way, they got it right. They made some good choices. And as a result, look at where they're at today. Well, the Queen of Sheba had heard about this guy who had done some pretty amazing things and had gained some notoriety in his region. And so in verse 10, when the Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, and that's key. You know, what was the, what was the purpose for Solomon's fame? Was it to be like Herod and get up and gloat about yourself? No, it didn't work out very well for him, did it? Humility was key to Solomon's rise to fame. So it brought honor to God. There's a right way to become infamous. There's a way you can become infamous 
but make it not about you. You become infamous in a way that honors God, that points to him. She came to test him with hard questions. The world will do that to you too. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. And a lot of people will come to you like that when you gain that kind of notoriety because they will respect your opinion. They know that you have answers to their problems. They'll come to you and pour their heart out to you knowing that they're not casting their problems or their, I guess their pearls before swine. They're not, they're not just wasting their time with you. They know that by coming to you and presenting you with something that they need help with, that you are in a position to truly help them. She came all this way. She came all this way because she had some things on her heart that she wanted answers to. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his table, the organization of his officials, and the splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. He was running a tight ship. Everything was in order. Everything was as it should be. A type and shadow of the kingdom of God, perhaps. She exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Incredible. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy, how happy your people must be. When you eradicate poverty, you have a happy populace. How many problems in society stem from poverty, stem from lack? inefficiencies. It sounds like Solomon had set up a kingdom where there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. It said that silver was stacked up outside the gate almost. It was considered almost worthless. That's how much prosperity was in his kingdom. You'd have to, uh, the far cry from anything you could see in this day and age that I'm aware of right now. That's for sure. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day, listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. <clears throat> That's the kind of prosperity you can experience when the right person's on the throne. First of all, it starts with you. When you put God on the throne in your life, that's the kind of prosperity that you can experience on a personal level. 
And that's where it starts for everyone. Before it ever becomes evident in the body of Christ, it starts on a personal level. We each have to put God on the throne of our lives and allow him to rule and reign in our lives. And as we do that, the benefits of that, the ramifications of that will spill out into our church community first and foremost. The church will begin to operate in ways that we hadn't operated before because we ourselves are now operating in a way that we hadn't before, at a level that we never operated in before. And then, <clears throat> instead of people just changing churches and going to the hot spots, people outside the church will begin to see, wait a minute, there's nobody sick in that church. There's nobody dying of sickness in that church. They're all living a full life and just checking out when it's their time to go. Wow. There's also, I don't see a whole lot of poverty in the church. I wonder how they're doing that. I wonder how it is that all of them seem to be able to take care of themselves and take care of others that have needs. How is it that uh, they're, they're, they're the ones making donations and, and uh, funding nonprofit organizations in the city? How is it that they're the ones that are starting initiatives that are, that are helping the less fortunate, that are the real hands extended in the community, that are feeding the people who can't afford to eat? When you're doing more than the food bank is or when you're the food bank's biggest donor, it speaks volumes. When you're doing it in the name of the Lord, you're making a real tangible difference in the communities where you're at that is what wakes people up. That's what turns the light on and goes, wow, how are they doing this? Where's this wisdom coming from? Where's this provision coming from? I always knew the church to be broke. I always knew the church to be a little, you know, reclusive. This is new. What's going on here? And that's what wakes people up. There's a real tangible thing. going to your neighbor, shoveling their driveway. You know, those little things can, can start a ripple that spreads. And so I just encourage you today to look for those opportunities. And those little things in your everyday life that, that, uh, that God's presenting to you that you can either choose to do what is right or choose to turn the other way and lose that opportunity. You know, you can make the wrong choice. Just don't make the wrong choice. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't be afraid of what people might think. <clears throat> no time to waste, right? We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.